Started off with cackling. Oh my god! It has it has people feeling pumped for this very I, jovial I, movie we're about chill, to discuss. Chill flick, you know. Can't this movie is just a belly of laughs, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, hello Always everybody. With the stealth mode starts. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Man. Them. I'm one of your hosts, Damien. With me as always. Hey, it's me, Bam. We co-host. didn't finish your opening intro, but that's fine. FBI agent Bam. Wow, 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 wow. Feds, come, not the feds. Come to see about them Straight podcasts. Straight up Jesse Plemons in Yikes. <laughs> see who's uh, recording them. <laughs> That's not a bad. That's a good Jesse Plemons voice. And uh, joining us for the first time for the new year, it's Toby. Happy New Year. Here Thank you. with her sidekick, her everlasting notebook. Okay. Yes, the can trusty I, notes. Can I just see it for a second? Sure. you've got handwriting like a font. Thank you. Everything's uniform. Yes. Killers of the Flower Moon podcast. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not read Why is he Whoa. airing me out? Whoa. Why is he airing two, me out, three though? Three pages upon pages. Hold on. One, two, three. Aww. Uh, four. Four and three quarter pages. Yeah. Is this also? No, it's, okay, it goes. It goes. Oh, it. It stops. Where oh does it stop? God. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yo, she got an index, yo. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even count this. All right. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a smaller book this time, okay. mind you. Yes, that's true. And you do write kind of big. So if I, I do. Yeah, that'd I probably do. be like three pages if can't I wrote it. So the whole well, class so can see them. It yeah. has to, yeah. It's well, really just so I can see. Yeah. You got so much material there. Let's not bullshit. Let's just get right into it. We're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, if anybody was around last year they were aware of this movie that uh three hours long i think it was what's the what's the final runtime 206 minutes about three and a half hours yeah yeah Yeah. uh three hours and 26 minutes okay Mm -hmm. uh leonardo dicaprio martin scorsese back again the dynamic duo also robert de niro his other his previous duo his his Mm -hmm. previous duo Mm -hmm. yeah bringing them together have they ever been together under marty before under martin not under martin yeah yeah mm. so it's it's scorsese pulling out all the stops on behalf of apple tv no less yeah um and yeah this was this was quite a film that came out last year what was everybody's impression of it when they first saw it aside um, from I mean, just complete depression me, me and toby watched it yeah me and bam and some some other friends watched it together um impactful Heart rending, mm-hmm. brutal, enraging. Enraging is right. Yeah, yeah. Because it takes it. It's it came out in twenty twenty three. Takes place when when what is the year? In the nineteen twenties. Uh, from about nineteen twenty. Yeah. Um, to nineteen twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. And and it just doesn't feel that removed from not particularly because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> from, from how things are going on today and how people think about certain groups of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um but whenever you're here, I tend to just sit back and let you go. Yeah. So <laughs> you're what we call a plug and play guy. Well yeah. well then. <laughs> and well we just then. we we did a recording with um Mail in Low yesterday and it was very much similar. I just went like this. Yeah, I Margo. Yeah. No Malin is incredible. She's yeah. such a talented actor actress and um 
she's extremely intelligent and very eloquently similar able to, to explain you, certain, certain things. Say. Yeah, but similar to you, she she as soon as the mics go off, she's just like, did I do a good job? Was that okay? And I'm just like, that oh. was incredible. <laughs> no, she's fantastic. I yeah. love Malin. I hope she's listening. <laughs> what, what are what are your musings on the fo- on the flower moon, Toby? Okay, so um. When you mentioned that it was released in 2023 and we watched it then, and then mm-hmm. we, we also watched Napoleon then, yes. which is another historical movie by Apple mm-hmm. released in the same year. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Yeah. I didn't consider that before. Um, but it's clear, first of all, I mean, we know Scorsese for creating crime movies. Yes. Um, that's kind of his forte, his MO. Yeah. And um, creating a historical crime movie about a group of you know which he's not a part of but wanting to do it with a lot of integrity artistic mm-hmm. integrity yeah. historical integrity um oh. involving the group you know and putting them at the helm in many ways of the um of the of the playing out of the movie Sorry. of the, right. of I, the I making had, i had this thought um watching it uh, i should watch it uh, this morning uh, of a breakfast, a fine breakfast film. Um, I had this realizing that like, he similarly he did something with Gangs of New York, where mm. it was a it was a you know a period film exploring right. gangsters taking over land right. essentially. And um, I realized in most of Scorsese's films, you know, it's usually metropolitan based, city based, mm-hmm. and so one would almost call them Easterns. And mm-hmm. this is Scorsese's <laughs> take on a, a uh, Western. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have this one that's set in Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma in the 20s becomes um, quite a mecca for um, specific people of color. Um, Later on in the podcast, we'll talk some more about um, some of the correlation to um, the Tulsa massacre Mm -hmm. um, in Greenwood, which would have happened also in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. also um, in the 1920s, the early 1920s, 1921. Um, So uh, I think... In many ways, this is kind of like a slight diversion from what we typically see from him, but in but also it's very similar at the same yeah. time in terms, you know, being a historical crime drama, mm-hmm. etc. Having Leo, um, yeah, in the lead. It, it's like funny that. because we talked about um, Oppenheimer the other day, and we were talking about how it's kind of like a bait and switch, uh, where people expected to go in, and all they were talking about was how Nolan being the the, the visual master that he is being mm-hmm. able to bring about the bomb and and so much of the movie not being about the explosion itself and not right. even showing the final explosion. Mm-hmm. So then you see something like this is similar because um, it's, it's as you said, known for doing these crime caper kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much a lot of it is similar to how, you know, that criminal activity has been depicted in his other movies, mm-hmm. except in those other movies... As the audience member, you're kind of reveling in it. You're enjoying it. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're with the gang. It's stylized. Enough. Mm-hmm. It's stylized. Mm-hmm. It's also like these guys are bad, but also the cops are kind of bad as well. And mm-hmm. you're kind of with them. You want to see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. And in this, when the violence happens, it, it hurts. Yeah. It's like yeah. harrowing. There's, and it's, there's no catharsis for you. Yeah. Right. And it's almost like him, him you know, maturing at, at this point of a filmmaker to just be like, hey, this is what you've loved to see from me right. all these years mm-hmm. i'm gonna show it to you at a group of people that you're going to sympathize with immediately and i'm gonna make you feel guilty for mm, looking for, for that you know because they they have the um you know the gang 
killing people montage like they do in several other Scorsese mm-hmm. films, except it's women and it's children and it's, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's not a good time, <laughs> but it's still done with that same level of, of skill that he's applied to his other yeah, films. And it, and it mm-hmm. is just, it is the same activities being depicted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people cool. like hiding out in the bushes and then coming out in the middle of the day, shooting someone in broad daylight. Yeah. If you saw Henry Hill doing that in Goodfellas, you'd be just like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, you know? the starkness of the violence. Exactly. Too. Yeah. 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 Um, very visually compelling film. Yeah. Um, I figure we can start with like just a brief historical overview of like scene and setting what's happening at the time of course we know that the osage had kind of moved around a bit Mm -hmm. um oklahoma is where they settle um for this setting um for the movie and they when they settle there it's decided that you know this becomes osage county in oklahoma um originally the land is owned collectively by the osage until about the 1890s where the oil is discovered mm-hmm. right and of course in the movie i i really loved that opening scene of Man, the, the is, oil geyser yeah, and the the osage people dancing yeah. around it yeah um there's also that continuous imagery of the oil and like later on in the movie we see that the geyser like becomes like this monstrous looking thing mm-hmm. and like you kind of see um, right it covers everybody and they're almost trying to contain it and then there's this kind of ominous music around it later on. But in the beginning, um, the land is owned collectively, the oil is discovered, and then you have the Osage Allotment Act of 1906, which kind of establishes um, a trust system that essentially forces the Osage to individualize um, their interest in the land, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes known as head rights. So you have the surface land that's owned um, individually by the Osage, and then collectively um, the mineral underground stuff mm-hmm. is still owned owned supposedly by the Osage people as a whole. Um, of course, it becomes a boon, um, especially post-World War One. We have reached page one. two of the follow-along <laughs> companion piece. Post-World <laughs> War One, and we see this happens also with the Tulsa people. Um, it's one of the things that benefited them in terms of um, kind of migrating in pro- post-World War One and um, creating a commercial... Um, city from that but the osage specifically would have paid the u.s would have paid royalties to them during world war one in order to um it's fine in order to obtain <laughs> oil and gas for oil and gas so um as a result of that um you know the the plentiful black gold as they call it mm-hmm. that's on the land they become the richest people per capita in the entire world yeah and um there's something to be said for hypervisibility, um, but there's something specifically to be said for hypervisibility of people of color when it's not something that's anticipated. It's not something that is accepted. It's not an acceptable form of prominence. Um, so what happens is that the government, of course, starts to step in more and more. And um, by 1923, the Osage are doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of that year, um, collectively, they've received 20 million U.S., which is now the equivalent of 400 million U.S. Mm-hmm. Mind you, at the time, the head rights were limited. Mm-hmm. So um, divided, it would have been divided amongst maybe 2,250 plus people. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I remember correctly, the figure is 2,267. Mm-hmm. But um, you have the racist paternalism of the government that starts to come in reinforcing 
of course, white supremacy, um, the Federal Indian Trust. Um, in the movie, we see people like Beatty who become like the kind of keepers of the pouch, so to speak, or like the purse keepers. Um, and you see that Molly, as someone who's labeled as incompetent, meaning she needs a guardian, mm -hmm. has to go to him whenever she wants to, ex um, what do you call it, withdraw, withdraw a certain amounts yeah. of money. And it, he's, you know, very condescending towards her about their spending it habits. And it, it's very subtle, but uh, second time now, I noticed behind that gentleman, mm -hmm. he has a painting of a KKK man on a horse. Mm. Like right behind Molly's. So like he mm -hmm. has the hood on? No, no, no it, it, it's, it's just like right behind his office desk. Uh -huh. He has a nice paint. He has a painting of a KKK man on a horse. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um... It's interesting the way that marriage plays a very important part in the movie and in the way that white people kind of um, inveigle, like insert themselves into the Osage culture. They become, you know, the, the kind of, it's, it's a, it's, it becomes a scam essentially for them to kind of insert themselves into Osage culture and of course become head right holders themselves, yeah. which is how, um, which is Hale's plan. Yeah, it's kind of for Ernest. It's, it's like uh, you need this, and I I, w I would like what you have, but you need me to get access to certain things in the in the community. To make me the the shareholder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a, you know, it's an agreement between them, but it's not, it's not based on love or anything. It's just this is what both parties need it's to a, to get ahead. A, a, yeah. A, 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 a scam. A yeah. Scam. Yeah. 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 Um, so. In the first scene where we see Hale, I thought that was interesting. There's a lot of really great setup in that scene. Obviously, Scorsese, he's a very skilled um, narrator, a very skilled um, storyteller. So in the first scene, we see that Hale speaking fluent Osage yeah. to Henry, who mm. brings um, Ernest to the ranch. And Ernest calls him king throughout the film, right? Mm -hmm. There's king, this idea king of, the, of, the, of the respect. Yeah. Right, right. Which is interesting because... The Osage are the people yes. in the position of power, but because of whiteness and whiteness's own power, mm -hmm. he Hill becomes appointed, yeah. self-appointed, but also he, 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 he the, the the treasure of the town. Right, yeah. he establishes himself very well in the community. He, he has that line um, towards the end where he says, "Like I brought these people into the twentieth century. I was uh -huh. able to build their hospitals uh -huh. and their schools uh -huh. and their." He's he's the self-appointed white deity yeah. um, that comes to rescue the savages. Yeah, he sees himself as the person who takes them out of the the boondocks, bring them into right. Yeah, and not not at like it's it's one of the worst things about him is that he does he speaks the language, he goes to their events and everything, but you can tell there's no respect for it. There's no, no. respect for the, the the fact that there is a culture here. Mm -hmm. You know, with systems, there is a civilization here. But he, looking at it from his perspective, just sees them as, you know, running up and down and making noise. And it's like there's there's no point where he says, I need to have respect for this. They're no. just they're just a, a mass that he can exploit. And whenever, yes. yeah. when, whenever yeah. like he's, you know, he, he, he's, he's given a slight debuff to it. He always like falls back on this like false catholicism of himself like mm -hmm. he always like brings it back mm -hmm. to like oh this is the lord's plan yeah and this um there was a there was a documentary i was seeing that was talking about the fact that he would sign his name as reverend so he was literally a self-appointed white deity you know <laughs> and it's interesting that like you know of course in the movie you see some of the um 
Osage people have converted to Catholicism. So the way that he kind of self-appoints himself, it kind of lends a certain respect to him because, Mm -hmm. you know, they have similar beliefs. Um, So in that opening scene with him and Ernest, like the first time that we're introduced to Hale as a character, he says to Ernest, no, this is a cattle ranch. There is no oil here. No oil, no fear. So I'm settled Mm -hmm. with no fear. Mm -hmm. Time will run out. This wealth will run dry. They're sickly people. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how much is established just in that yeah. Yeah. single conversation. Um, it's extremely effective. So, you know, you have this idea of um, he's clearly aware of the hypervisibility that the OCH have because of the oil, because of the associated conspicuous wealth. Um, and then you kind of see the plan starting to bubble up, right? Because he's like... I don't have this level of wealth that they have, mm-hmm. but I'm in a position to kind of observe for now mm-hmm. while I profit from my cattle ranch because he's still well off, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that much is clear yeah. in the movie. Um, and it's, I think it's part of why he's able to insert himself so easily mm-hmm. into this opulent space. Yeah, he's a nice rich white man. Exactly, time. exactly. There's mm-hmm. this, um, in the first five minutes of it, I think I, when we were watching it, I think I turned to you and I was just like, I'm ashamed to say this is the most Native Americans I've ever seen in the first five minutes of it. But then second watching it, it's the there is an uncomfortable feeling I couldn't put to words, but on the second watch I really grasped them. It's just like like I am seeing these people depicted in a way I've never seen them before. Mm-hmm. And also it sickens me that in this world to show prominence and opulence they have to mimic American and British aristocracy mm-hmm. in their wealth mm-hmm. and that like sicken me to see them like having to put on these suits and play polo yeah i mean it's an interesting thing right because the emulation um and the way what they associate with like american prosperity yes, especially yeah. um you know it's especially in terms of the costuming you know at one point molly gives ernest a, a felt hat, hat yeah. um and if we if if you want we can go into the costuming a bit since yeah. we're talking about like the visual displays one, one, one thing that kept on uh like whenever there's a party scene mm-hmm. it's always like some of the osage are in, are in traditional love the traditional garb some right. of them are in like 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 american suits i should say but they're never it's never they're the traditional garb is never the most prominent mm-hmm. it and they're always sort of framed in the middle and being encroached slowly slowly by yes. whiteness there's like a deliberate that. mix um yeah. with the osage people in terms of their fashion um so you had jacqueline west who was the costume designer and mm. then julie o'keefe was the osage um lead consultant mm-hmm. And there was a deliberate mix of traditional and um, more modern wear for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a lot of material my, my, to work my, my, with. My favorite is Molly's um, Captain Crunch wedding. Office. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So I want to just start by saying like the opulence, ironically, is part of why they were so able, able to be um, this accurate with the movie and mm-hmm. with like the historical portrayal because the Osage were would have been one of the few people able to afford video mm-hmm. and able mm-hmm. to afford home video. I see. So there was a wealth of like, you know, literal documentation because at $1,800 per minute mm-hmm. for a reel, 
they would have been the only people able to yeah. afford that kind when of thing. I was like thirty dollars for a photograph. I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of the costuming comes from watching those videos. Molly wore a lot of traditional wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, um, so you had the blankets and the shawls for the women. Mm-hmm. Depending on the situation that she was in, the shawl would look different. Mm-hmm. So when she was talking to BT, she gets more formal. We'll yeah. get to the pin. Yeah. Um, she she gets more formal when she's talking to BT. So the shawl is wrapped around both mm-hmm. shoulders. You see that with um, her and her sisters and her mom, the matriarchy in that family. They wear the shawl um, with the fringes on the outside. Mm. Some Osage wear the fringes on the inside. Mm. Um, if she's being more informal, if she needs to use like her hands, the shawl would be over one arm, things like that. She wore two Wabanka pins, which is what um, Bam, Bam wanted to talk about. <laughs> and that the, the mar- two, marriage, yeah. right? The two signify marriage. Um, a single one signifies that you're an older woman in mm. the in the family, like a grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then three would signify so like that Lizzie you're... Would wear one of those. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, three would signify that you're a single woman. She would have the traditional earring as well, which is the ball and cone. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that like I said, you have this incorporation of traditional and modern wardrobe, but the modern wardrobe more so signifies the opulent, opulence. It's not even so much integration into like American capital display mm-hmm. or capitalistic display. It's it's kind of like this melding. So she wears the traditional ball and um, cone earring, mm. but she wears four mm. um, in each ear which is kind of just to be like a doubling up, like, okay, I'm luxurious enough, I'm rich enough to wear more than the traditional one that would be worn typically. So then you have her wedding dress. Um, What's interesting about it is that, uh, as Bam rightly um, identifies, it's kind of like a military garb. And um, that's true because it was given to the Osage chief by Jefferson. Mm. Um, It's taken from Jefferson's entourage. And then it's passed on to her. So in the wedding scene, she layers it with a lot of traditional clothing. Um, It's traditional Osage textiles, like the blanket. There's a blanket underneath um, all of the garb. Mm -hmm. Um, It has the Osage hand. Hands are very significant in Osage culture. Um, It has the hand that doesn't include the wrist, meaning Mm -hmm. it's a friendly hand. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a a positive Mm -hmm. hand. Mm -hmm. If it were to show the wrist as well, then it would be um, the hand of an enemy, basically. Um, So then her dress is typical for an arranged marriage, funny Mm -hmm. enough. Um, and then you have the, sk- because it, you the have the skirt on underneath the coat, you have the finger woven belt, um, you have this luxurious Osage woven blanket, choker bead necklace, two shirts under the coat, right? And then she wore, so then she wore this kind of mix of like traditional, um, it's interesting that she wore something that's for an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting, um, mm-hmm. point. Yeah, because I, I- it it is kind of arranged, but mm-hmm. it's not. That's not how they intend uh, when they go to the ceremony. That's not the intention. Because right. There is a courtship that occurs. You mm-hmm. know, he he shows up, and it's lightly fabricated, nonetheless. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's like you know he's he's talking to her, and she finds him cute. Like there's there's some sort of um, well, she called genuine him in, she connection. Called him for handsome devil. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. A, but there's, there's a, a genuine, genuine connection, connection between yeah. the two of them, mm-hmm. and and I that that scene when they're kissing in the car and he mm-hmm. proposes, I'm like, these two genuinely like each other. It might just be like 
Ernest is a dumbass yeah. and, and she is a pretty woman. It, well, it okay. might simply be that. So I was wondering how but long it would take for us to talk about the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio plays just an absolute moron. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's um number two Ernest Burkhart uh-huh. and his character in What's Eating Gilbert Grape as far as the intelligence yeah, but scale I mean <laughs> of Leonardo DiCaprio characters <laughs> go. If anyone has not seen Gilbert Grape, Leonardo DiCaprio plays, what would you call it? Uh, mentally, Men- mentally ill. Mentally yes. ill, mentally challenged yes. child. Yes. And, and Ernest is... Just, sl- just a slight notch, slight notch slight ahead notch of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been manipulated the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, I, in in my first thoughts coming out of this was that this movie was in, in talking about the... I really love everything that you just said, by the way. The the detailed way in Toby which... Toby, crushing it. Because <laughs> I feel like we should title this episode How to Watch Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> Featuring Toby. <laughs> because it is such a dense... <laughs> Densely detailed film. Yes. There's so much that goes on. There's so much that, uh, um, you know, just how, like we were talking uh, on the Fargo episode about going into a movie and not having a lead in and not knowing, you know, the the backstory before, and yeah. you just kind of pick it up as you go along. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but how normal people watch a movie? Well, <laughs> just, not every movie does that though. Lots of movies spoon feed it to you to let yeah. you know exactly what to know about this right. stuff. But in this movie, there's all of this 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 world of the Osage people mm-hmm. um, prior to the point of the movie is not something I feel like a lot of people have that knowledge of mm-hmm. just right. so. Mm-hmm. And and all of the detail that you just gave us about, you know, their costuming and, and it, like the fact that one hand means one thing and another hand means another thing. Mm-hmm. Context clues, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, all very intentional. It's or, very intentional, yeah. but I feel like there's the, the plot of the movie. It doesn't allow the that world to kind of sit with you and mm. i felt like that's what i wanted more of in the movie mm-hmm. i wanted to be around that community more because the the snippets that we got of it um i just thought this is such a fascinating portrayal of a people and culture that i don't get to see in cinema that yeah. often right but because of the nature of the movie it's about these i guess vultures yeah. who are around them trying to pick at them. Are you saying you'd have preferred like a, a, ten, a ten episode miniseries or the first five people is just hanging with the Osage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah, so. And the white people. Damien is on the side of um, Reservation Dogs star Devery Jacobs. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw those, saw yeah, those she, comments she, she, that yeah, Lily she, responded she to. to be, yeah. um, and of course, you know, we're, we're not indigenous. We're not Native American. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to, (laughs) you know, and, and Lily rightfully says it's good to position like, um, the Osage opinions about the, about the film and of course, Native American dialogue around the film. So Devery Jacobs, you know, her issue was that she, she said that the killers of the watching it was fucking hellfire, Mm. her words, because the Osage characters (laughs) were underwritten and helpless victims. Um, Lily responded by saying her reaction is hers. Her reaction is a response to a lot of trauma mm-hmm. that particularly Native women feel seeing these things for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of time acclimating myself to the script. Ultimately, Osage reaction is what I care about the most. Mm-hmm. But um, Jacobs was saying, I don't feel that these very real indigenous people were shown honor or dignity in the mm-hmm. horrific portrayal of their deaths. Contrarily, I believe that by showing more murdered Native women on screen, it normalizes the violence committed against us mm-hmm. and further dehumanizes our people. 
Um, imagine the worst atrocities committed against your ancestors and having to sit through a movie explicitly filled with them with the only respite being 30 minute long scenes of murderous white guys talking about or planning the killings. Mm. Um, Jacobs wrote at the time, it must be noted that Lily Gladstone is an absolute legend and carried Molly with tremendous grace. Mm. All the incredible indigenous actors were the only redeeming factors of this film. Give Lily her goddamn Oscar. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't I thought, remember seeing that. Now that yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I thought this was interesting to hear from her because it's a conversation I've been having about black films, mm -hmm. portrayals of black enslavement, yeah. mm -hmm. um, porno troping, which we'd have spoken about in at the tail end of the Rocky Horror podcast, mm -hmm. and um, terror yoked with enjoyment, as um, one of my favorite writers, Hartman, would say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something we do have to think about. Um, because it's this kind of continuum of violence that can sometimes happen with displays um, of suffering. And we have to think about what we want the narrative to say to an audience, what we want the audience to think about in terms of looking. I would also say what you expect the audience to take from it, because there's, exactly. there's the... the because I that sentiment is not one that I would say is wrong at all. Mm -hmm. But what, do, what I got from the movie was this is... Yes, it's showing all this intense violence mm -hmm. continuously. Um, but I took from it that it was it was just showing how s systemic it was and how matter-of-fact it was. And to normalized. And it, how yeah. normalized it was at the time. Mm -hmm. And if, if the fact that the normalization of it feels familiar, then that is the movie's point, is mm -hmm. that we have not moved that far from this you know environment that you're seeing in the film if it is disturbing to you then it's meant to be disturbing mm -hmm. but there is these the camp that will say but you could further the normalization of it yeah. by depicting exactly it. It's, it's exactly some people it's, it's might not come out of the, it on, on the color purple episode mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where, it's, it, where it's just like if you only get one film about native american people per year yeah you're going to overanalyze that and put all uh, all of your wants and needs yeah. on mm -hmm. that singular film and but it, film it, is it, able to it, it, there's something to be said for the fact that why is this the only native exactly. american movie exactly. that yeah. can be shown exactly. that can be taken yeah. up by a major studio that yeah. can be taken up by a major director yeah. you and, know and then not to jump all the way to the end but he himself I, you know he's acknowledging that mm -hmm. by being the the narrator, the narrator himself yeah he, he uh, yeah he, he in, in, in the most succinct way I've ever seen a film break the fourth wall, they yeah. go, as a filmmaker, I can only tell a story. There is no way for me to heal what mm -hmm. has been done. There is mm -hmm. no way for me to like accurately portray the yeah. story. I can only do my best to make a story that is the full, that's mm -hmm. unfortunately the full well of this medium. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was a good approach for him to kind of acknowledge the limitations the limitations of the spectacle yeah. and um of trying to portray a, a movie like this um and how it might be received by the audience um so yeah. because yeah. in in that last bit it, it's they're talking about how this story became a true crime serial mm -hmm. um and there was a previous jimmy stewart movie in the 1950s yes okay. plays the jesse plemons character yeah right and it's all about mentions by name yeah Molly. Molly's mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so it's mm -hmm. about the fbi agents which is what yeah. this the book that this movie is based on mm -hmm. was originally about and then in the making of the film it, there was more of a focus on the indigenous yeah, people it was, it was mm -hmm. gonna start with like 10 I, I assume a 10 minute murder montage yeah. followed by Leonardo DiCaprio as the Jesse Plemons character pulling right. up in the hat and, right. and starts yeah. so that was the original intent so speaking back on Leo's character though the, so it's it's you've got characters like William Hale who are just I would say 
brilliant. Devil incarnate. Well, yeah, we, I was, we that, that kind of evil where you're fully intentional. You've got these machinations and you're you're putting the strings on everyone. And then you've got Leonardo DiCaprio who almost like a willful ignorance to the misdeeds that he's doing because he's very much a tool being used yeah. by his uncle. But there is a point where he he sees Molly as his wife and everything, yeah. but there is still that point where he's looking at the Osage he, he, people. He, 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 he's, he's a puppet who believes he is. Yeah, but, right. but, yeah. I, but I, yeah. there's, there's a point where he, even like looking at the other Osage people, like even Molly's sisters, yeah. you know, he's looking at them as expendable. He's not looking at them as yeah. fully formed people. So when I was watching, I wrote down this question. How does passive white complicity devolve into active white right. participation <laughs> yep, exactly. in racialized violence yep. in the movie? Because it is not enough to say, oh, my uncle pulled all these it's strings not and pushed me to do this and that. Yes, like, but I also mm, killed her sister. So yeah, sister like you, you have a culpability there. You do have some ownership of your own actions as much as they depict him as a goddamn moron yeah. he's, <laughs> he still is a person that has to own up to what he's done I, mm -hmm. I really appreciate this late stage um career of leonardo where he plays openly greedy, openly greedy child like dispositions of maturity mm -hmm. putting positions um, of for putting positions of for far beyond their capabilities yeah so once upon a time in Jalo, yeah, Django, yeah, yeah. Wolf mm. wall street yeah. and, and now killers it's, yeah. it's 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 the same class of character He's portraying again and again. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That that person who like he he's so trapped in the world that he's trying to be that Involving, you know yeah. be be the the big man. Yeah, like like he, he he's always like like it, it is greed and and just like oh I should be a part of the big picture but you just you're not you're not ready for that whatsoever. You're yeah, always yeah. yeah. And it's like th there's else. almost that that sense of like. No, but I'm 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 the good guy, you know, that uh -huh. self-delusion, right. yeah, which is which is yeah. making it even worse because it's like, oh no, we'll kill a few of them, but like my family will be safe yeah. and my that's ch what's my good. Children's yeah, my children will be okay. Fine, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's something that both Hale and Ernest have in common in terms of seeing themselves as the white deities, as the white saviors, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but it becomes a question of like, uh, you know, what's what what is intention versus impact. But also, like I said, the, the impact, be, yeah, I, sorry, excited, the impact yeah. becomes a little bit more, you know, the, the impact will always, um, what do you call it, trump the intent here. And then, of course, impact and intent become one, mm -hmm. as is clear towards the end of the movie, you know? So um, that's it, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. is, that, is, that, is that the end of your lesson? <laughs> Yeah. I've seen a lot more notes here, Toby. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, we have more to talk about, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's talk about... There's there's the other characters in the movie, um, some of them being, uh, I would say, members of this, this mob. Um, I think probably the most famous of them is... Um, what's the name of the gentleman who is talking with his lawyer about murdering his own children? Oh, Kelsey? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and, and each of them kind of just displays these different levels of indifference to, evil, yeah. to to what this evil is yeah um but why because it's all legal baby yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and it's the well they're using the the law to the fullest extent that they can and it's not that difficult for them and there's not that many people who are questioning what they're doing yeah, yeah. he um, says to the fbi agent what's, what's the name of the guy um jesse Plemons. no 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 <laughs> no um the one who is asking about his daughters 
Oh, the, the lawyer, I mean? No, no, the guy you were just talking about. That Kelsey. was Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey, Kelsey. thank Kelsey. you. <laughs> so Kelsey said something to the FBI agent where he was like, you have a better chance of convicting a guy for kicking, kicking a, a dog, dog than killing an, an Indian. Indian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's this way that um, the law kind of reinforced white authority. And it's part of why Hale feels so comfortable like appointing himself as king yeah. of the hill. Um, he feels so comfortable telling Ernest, there's a lot of money here. And what's implied in that statement is that they have access to it just yeah. by virtue of whiteness. Yeah. It's like this the, like, entitlement. The, the, the Osage had to pay, had to, Molly secretly went there and paid off $20,000 to Calvin Coolidge, essentially, to like just break through all the bullshit and actually get mm-hmm. something done, which is now the equivalent of about $350,000 yeah. in this day. Yeah. So she had to sneak across on that train with that money. And yeah. that is the why. That yeah. is why it finally reached J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. And he, and he sent down the agents to it. But again, going back to Kelsey's line of like, there's more, like, easier to, than convicting. For killing killing a native are they there just on policy just on i guess we have we got this money we should be yeah, like, and, yeah. And, it's not just and, the money and they came and they had the big photo shoot and everything like yeah there's, there's mind eyes. you this is the agency's first case yeah really? yeah yeah it's yeah. what when, established when, this when, FBI, um, basically. when when uh, <laughs> when uh jesse pulls up and is in his in his big hat and he says the line in the trailer that we all love on the door mm-hmm. um uh, Ernest has this line you're like like, what are you detective or Pinkerton and then when he says Pinkerton like I realize oh right this is 10 years removed from Red Dead Redemption's yeah. epilogue oh, oh yeah like, oh yes of course this, this oh, yeah. time is not particularly different like, yeah. yeah for the audience um, the Pinkertons were a group of um, essentially mercenaries yeah. uh, like government appointed to kind of um, do union busting and things like yeah. that yeah um, pro Pro capitalist agenda, sure. you know. <laughs> so yeah. fascist pigs, one could say. Uh huh. Yeah. Literally. literally. It, it, it's they they typically are villains in lots of westerns and stuff because mm-hmm. you're you're following the outlaw and lots of westerns are about you know society wanting to go about its natural order yes. and and not Keep succumbing. The West wild. Right. Exactly. Not yes. so so it, it forces you to be on the side of thieves and mm-hmm. and you know, murderers. Because the alternative is fascism, right. and nobody wants fascism. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's anarchy or fascism. Two choices. Right. One of the two. You cannot, there is no in between. <laughs> so the Osage wealth lends itself to a certain level of um, unprecedented access. Toby's to reached a point to the podcast where she's a little bit chilly, mm-hmm. and she's put yes. on her <laughs> nice uh, brown jacket. To match the film's dusty aesthetic. Not the jacket. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jumping in that jumper. <laughs> so the Osage world lends itself to a certain level of unprecedented access to justice. Um, and that's even within the existing racial hier- hierarchy, right? So there's this complex interplay of um, racialization, racism, and opulence, and um, wealth. Uh, so, of course, as you said, Mali is able to take twenty thousand dollars in 1920s money Mm -hmm. to um get this case heard or like something i appreciated about the movie is that as much as you know when i say i wanted to see more of it is because i i was i thought it was such a fascinating display of this culture definitely um and the fact that i know the filmmakers behind it to be so in-depth with their detail Mm -hmm. i you know but um it it's it was also wonderful in the movie to not have a white savior. Yes. Like, yes, 
the FBI does come in and they are the ones who, you know, put the, the feet to the fire of William Hale and everybody right. and, and send them to prison. But there's no there's no one there who becomes the 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 you know singular like a, yeah yeah, like, yeah. Like, everyone's, everyone's, yeah. yeah. no it, that's important it's very much the indigenous people saying this is happening to us mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be stopping when and we, it becomes very clear that they're the ones that yeah usher the fbi in yeah. you know it's not a matter of the fbi being like i'm gonna all of a sudden decide to there, investigate this they have to push for it there's yeah. that scene where the council is meeting yes yeah, they're describing like all right these like we all know these white men are like buzzards coming and right and killing and they're like formulating their plan of what to do and when we saw that when we saw that scene initially i was just like all right something is moving okay mm-hmm. great and then it cuts to Ernest Byron and Hill mm-hmm. also in the meeting yeah to which i said what the fuck are these white people doing <laughs> in the middle of this osage meeting it makes no sense yeah, yeah. that yeah. they would be invited but that's mm-hmm. how insidious they were like how it's the insertion yeah. yeah it's the yeah. integration yeah for sure i mean Ernest opening dance schools you know mm-hmm. being a core part of the church as mm-hmm. i said mm-hmm. Um, given that a lot of Osage converted to Catholicism, you know, there's a certain reverence that they have for that there. Um, trust I, I'm, me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the, the duology of their religions, I guess, they all mm-hmm. to do. Because, mm-hmm. like, was it um, Sun is grandfather, Moon is mother, Fire yes. is father, Wakanta is God. They still believe that. They still yeah, and Molly still believes it, even though she's converted to Catholicism. You know, one of the first scenes with her and um, Ernest, where they're not in like the cab or anything. They, you know, she invites him in for dinner after giving him a hat, which is like a very, very nice felt hat. The hat budget on this movie. Let me tell you, as as a frequent (laughs) hat wearer. Pleased as punch. <laughs> then you gotta get in the cowboy hat. It's I, good I, stuff, I, I man. I was big into them in a, for a while, uh, and then I realized you look kind of dumb. Yeah. You don't have a horse. <laughs> you're not in an old saloon. You really <laughs> gotta be in a you're, you're specific in, part of America. Yeah, to you're in off. sovereign right. with your cowboy hat Yeehaw. rolling down with your heelys. That's right. a true fact. Let's yeah. not kid People ourselves. People saw me looking like that. <laughs> So I put away Damon, the cowboy Damon, hats. We, we all had trends. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? At the time, didn't think I was dumb. I thought I was the coolest dude. And Damon, everybody else here wishes they had a hat like this. 16-year-old me rocking like um, pink bedazzled dark shades oh, no. in Sovereign. <laughs> like not a single bit of shame to my name. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, there's a, there's a connection to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reverence for the environment, even with the um, Catholicism, Mali still has that um, inherited reverence for the environment. Yeah. The quiet and stillness um, within nature's power um, as hallmarks of Osage's culture. And then, you know, there are... The flower moon itself is a it's a flower. Yeah. Uh, it, it's the, the field and the killers of the flower moon, the title being about basically them annihilating the, the sacred this yeah the yeah. sacred land and and this this thing that provides for the people yeah yeah the sacrilege endemic in the whole film this, yes yeah this, yeah this lack of respect for nature and the culture that that william hale and their group has yes and the reverence that um molly and her family has mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah even that that scene actually where it's it's um it's molly and Ernest and they're in the house and it's raining yeah i was about to talk about that oh really yeah okay. <laughs> 
and he just won't <laughs> shut the fuck up no i was it, it's yeah it's so i was saying like um you know that's an example of um their beliefs and uh, you know she invites him in for dinner and the storm starts and she's like we have to be quiet for a while but he's so restless mm-hmm. you know it's good for the crops but she's <laughs> she's she's patient and amused by him she's quite kind yeah she's yeah. very kind yeah very very kind to him um so you know she asks him to she asks him to be quiet while the storm starts and um it's kind of one of those examples of uh how they feel connected to their environment mm-hmm. yeah there's that there's that discussion shortly after with like her and her sisters or they're like discussing their boyfriends husbands mm-hmm. and, and motives like, yeah, yeah and, mm-hmm. and they're like he's a snake he's like he's not a snake he's a coyote mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right right know, right, right comparing yeah. him to different animals and and, yeah. and such and like Molly, like peop- Molly is, has is always acutely aware of what is happening. She's never yeah. like behind on something. Yeah, she knows like these people are evil, and I've read it as just like she has accepted this plague has come upon her people. She will fight back as best as she can. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like in the moment of this, I think it's like. I'd rather be with this man to easier control my finances right. yes. than, yeah. than have to put up with this yeah. incompetent, you know, yeah. lawyer. She, she's, she's holding two almost kind of contradictory um, thoughts at once, you know, in that, in that conversation with the sisters, especially because she says, of course he's after the money, yeah. but he also wants, wants to, to settle. Settled, yeah. um, and I think she, she, you know, it's clear from the beginning that she, she knows why white people are here. Yeah. You know, I there's, also there's felt like she could see a sense of innocence in him. Yes. You know, like this, there's almost like, oh, he's too dumb to be. Yeah. Real yeah. She yeah. kind of trusted that, you know, he had this affability about him, this kind of, as Damien says, this innocence. And she believes that that will kind of protect her and the family yeah. from certain levels of exploitation. But it, like you, so you said that she's never fully behind, but there is a point of the movie where he, she, she, because she suddenly gets quite sick mm-hmm. and they, they can't quite now. understand why. And she's gone to the doctor and the doctor's giving her this medicine and she entrusts only Ernest after a point to deliver the medicine to her. Mm -hmm. And it's that decision that is kind of her downfall because he's continuing to poison her. Tranquilizing her. Right. Right. She starts to like isolate herself more and more without realizing that the channel of the higher the, the hierarchy the is still yeah. there it's yeah. still in it, place it, it, i mean it's trickling down through yeah, I mean, there, there, there's that scene where, where, where the owl comes in her room mm-hmm. right before Ernest comes and like I, I feel like it's kind of always been in her mind and now she's kind of like oh yes of course yeah. this is the reason i'm always sick. and again the interconnectedness with nature because yeah. it happens with her mom earlier in the earlier in yeah, the yeah. film the real owl. um gotta say yeah yeah so the o- the owl as the death omen l- l- Lizzie breaks my heart yeah. so much. Like, just, just, because all her scenes are just like, she's just like staring at like white people destroy her bloodline mm-hmm. more and more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's that scene where like she, she, she shoes Molly to get Anna mm-hmm. and she's holding Anna in the bed and she's like, don't leave me. Like, you're like, right. You're, like, you're my favorite. Yeah, because she's like, they all married, married white up. men, yeah, yeah. right? Like, except for you, you're the one. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And Molly kind of gets to that point with her mom, funny enough. Like, even though she has, obviously, this soft spot for her husband, mm-hmm. um, there's a point where she's getting sick and 
the violence is kind of reaching like a frenzy mm-hmm. and um she's narrating and she says i close my heart and i keep what is good there but hate comes and it's kind of her recognition of the white evil that's starting to surround the town that's starting yeah, to like walk flood the train through. station and, and it's because the early scene of the train station, it was more of a mix of Osage and white, and now the train mm-hmm. station is like it's all white people mm-hmm. as she's walking by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the shot in the trailer that people, well, the, the first trailer, I remember people being a little bit upset about because they thought this is too slick, you know, this is mm. too action oriented, and there's that in the trailer, it's very much that's that's a part of like. I think they, there's a voiceover where she talks about the white men being vultures. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And um, yeah, it's it be- becomes almost like a suffocating problem, you know. Like yeah. y- y- there's no escaping so it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, so when she gets sick, I I appreciated what was going on in the movie, but I will say I didn't really like those scenes because she was just doing such a good job. Like mm-hmm. Lily Gladstone was yes. so good, yeah, and it kind of takes her out of it. Like she's yeah. kind of bedridden, bedridden, and she can't. But Trust me, the physical acting point, is tremendous. She's a fucking powerhouse in yes, this movie. Exactly, she commands every single scene, no matter who is in the scene this with her. Quiet power. Yeah, she, yeah. And, and, no, because she there's there's people like you know Al Pacino. I would say later in his career. He's yelling a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, um, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, he's very tense, you know? Mm-hmm. Some of the tensest he's, he's acting. He's not above a yell. Right. Right. But in this movie, she's like, it's that person who owns a room, mm-hmm. knows it, and mm-hmm. doesn't feel the need to show you in the way that you expect. She's not, no, it's, not it's, at it's all. It's that very first line where, like, the, the, the race is going on through the town, and dumbass Ernest is, like, hooting and hollering and, like, like shouting. And just looks at him and he's like, you got money, Slick? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. He's like, well, then get you Let's go. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, she controls. She's like, well, what are you doing? What do you're but wasting my time then. Damien brings up a good point, which would bring us into... Often, yes, great. <laughs> yes, you tend to. Okay. Both of you. Um, so Thanks we can start <laughs> to talk about um, the medical racism that happens in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. worthwhile pointing out that uh, na- both Native American and Black people in the u.s are more susceptible to things like diabetes Mm -hmm. and um it's an epigenetic problem it's something that can be influenced by genetics but also your environment obviously and we know that in terms of epigenetics uh stress and trauma can literally alter our dna Mm. and in the case of both indigenous and black people in the states um, there's centuries of trauma. Oh yeah, we and got stress a lot of trauma. Yeah, there's a lot in, going on ingrained there. Ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. Um, so I think it was really important for the movie to show that. Yeah. And I love that they took a good chunk of the movie showing that. Um, the taking advantage of mental illness as well, as well as physical illness. So with the mental illness, we see, of course, um, Molly's ex-husband, Henry, who suffers from depression and how they murdered him, but were trying to claim it was a suicide because of his depression, but also because he had attempted suicide a year before. And then, of course, we have Molly and her sisters who were diagnosed with diabetes and how Ernest uses her insulin, of course, to poison her. Um, there's something to be said for the slow her down scene. Mm-hmm. That one stuck with me. Yeah. Because at that point, it's hard for the audience to deny Ernest's complicity. conscious complicity yeah. in this. But also, it made me think about 
um, again, the correlation between um, indigenous experience and black experience in terms of medical racism, there's an extremely horrific history um, for both groups in the U.S. Um, at the hands of white supremacy. I think of Henrietta, La Henrietta Lacks and her cell line um, and the ways in which her, cell, her cells were forcefully extracted and have now been replicated for decades. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really important aspect of the movie. It's one of um, the things in terms of illness, disability, ableism, and how that intersects with racism mm -hmm. and misogyny and um, white entitlement. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's a really heartbreaking aspect of the movie for sure. Yeah. And it's it's uh, so I mean, you talk about um, the the race factor, but it's also women as well. Mm -hmm. Women when it comes to a lot of medical the intersections. Studies. Yeah, I, it was some somebody a friend of mine tweeted um, just today that the absorption of blood in menstrual products was just tested for the first time last year, mm. which is insane mm -hmm. because that's. In that or they're designed for to absorb yeah, yeah. um and yeah it's what happens when you have these decisions that are affecting society for mm -hmm. medication and mm -hmm. and medical care being made by people who don't have a clue or, or who think th they were created by god in his image right. as the white man and this is how <laughs> medicine should be and right. everybody who is not taking to it mm -hmm. they're not supposed to be here that mm -hmm. kind of sense of they're not of god's plan they are not of god's plan and mm -hmm. you know maybe they're th they were not supposed to be on the ark mm -hmm. yeah. you know um and the dehumanization of women of color, especially, yeah. you know, black women being the foundation of modern gynecology, Henrietta Lacks again. Yeah. And then, of course, um, what we see in the in the movie where um, white men take advantage of women, Native American women's diabetes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even like talking to her directly a lot of the time. Like, right. Trying right. To go around her through earnest because mm -hmm. he is the person they grant agency and personhood. She yeah. is just you know, gabbing and doesn't really know what's good for her and you need to make her see sense, boy. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's that scene and shortly mm -hmm. after the marriage of Molly and Ernest where it cuts to the house a year or two later and you see it, it you see outside, you see all the cars mm -hmm. and you see it's it's all these dumb hick white people who have not moved yes, in into yes. the into the, the family or home. The the, the white encroachment. The white encroachment. <laughs> and you know it's 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 like a, a steady cam shot through the whole house and you mm -hmm. see like it's mostly white people with yeah. sprinkles and Liz is just sitting there almost catatonic. Yes. Just like what has happened. And then it cuts to the dinner table where you see the two children their, their two children mm -hmm. and there is just a fascinating display of racist poetry from the old couple sitting like they said yeah. 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 yeah one white child one dark child like an eclipse and like it, yeah put his hand over the earth and shake yeah. it and nothing happened i hate to i want to say one racism but white yeah. people racism can kind of be funny sometimes no they'd be hitting sometimes it's, it's just like, like the level of hatred and ignorance that you're displaying yeah, yeah. is so absurd it makes me laugh and a little then bit. Yeah. Byron comes in intentionally upsets Anna and then Anna smacks him and then he walks away, insults her again mm -hmm. and she like ready to pull a gun on him yeah. and like ah, da, 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 and push her outside, push her yeah. outside 
And then that dumb old white woman just calls her savage. Oh yeah. In, oh yeah. In, 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 in such a niggerish tone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. As, as one would. Like it's yeah. just like ah oh, yes, it's, <laughs> it's it's right here. It's fruitful, fruitful racism. Yeah. I want to say one more thing about um, medical racism because okay. there's one scene where like earnest racism is on full display. Earnest racism or earnest? Like, are you describing the racism as earnest? Earnests. It came from earnest. (laughs) Right. Right. Possessive earnest. Yeah. Right. Um, When he's pressuring Molly to take uh, the medicine, you know, because at this point she's she's like, it's not making me better. I don't want to take it. Is he speaking to her in his language in this scene? In in her language? no, I think the it would be scene? out. Uh, yes, it's yeah. the bedroom scene, and he starts to kind of get really frustrated yeah. with yeah, her, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he gets super racist when he starts making the whooping noise and being right. extremely yes. dismissive of mm-hmm. traditional Native American medicine and mm-hmm. herbal medicine, folk medicine, um, even though Molly's rightfully like suspicious like of the medicine they're giving her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another dimension to the medical racism in yeah, this film. Yeah, like completely looking down on their ways of... of healing each yeah. other mm-hmm. um, and the ailments that you know are there ailments mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely and um, i want <coughs> to go ahead sorry i want to finish just by talking in terms of medical racism i want to kind of um extend it towards uh perceptions of sugar in this movie okay and uh, oh yeah they do talk about like the the things that they consume a lot and how she has like a sweet tooth right, and, and right. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so Ernest says something to her about you can never have too much sugar. Yeah. And really it's, it's, it's sweet, earlier yeah. in the movie. It's kind of like a foreshadowing to what's going to happen in terms of um, Molly's uh, diabetes mm-hmm. and how, you know, that's going to become the tool that they use. Um, I want to say something about sugar in the Western world and perceptions of sugar with um, excess, but also freedom post-slavery, post-capitalism. Um, there's a quote that I have from uh, one of my favorite authors, Alexander Wehelier, uh, from his book, Habeas Viscous, where he talks about sugar. So he says that uh, to physiologically associate sweetness with life, survival, freedom, and all that is good. However, our sweet receptors evolved in environments with so little sugar that they may not have a shutoff point, since the majority of humans had no access to sugar before the 18th century. Mm. Thus, the missing shutoff point becomes a problem only in a world where sugar is readily available for consumption, such as ours. In recent history, the abundance of sugar was made possible via the conduit of racial slavery. Slavery undergirds humans' current sucrose surplus crisis. As Sidney Mintz and others have shown, sugar played a central ro- role in the economy of plantation slavery, especially in the Caribbean. Mintz argues that during the Industrial Revolution, which would have happened in the early 1900s, the newly freed British working classes were at liberty to develop an increasing appetite for sweetness given that sugar was no longer a luxury, but due to slavery and colonialism had become a common commodity. It also accentuated and accelerated the shift of the primary function of sucrose from a spice or medicine to a sweetener of other more bitter, more bitter colonial goods, um, such as tea, coffee, and chocolate, as well as a caloric bolster for the working poor. It was cheap and filling. Yeah. Um, I thought this was... So this is what I was thinking about when um, they were talking about sugar, because... Native Americans traditionally would have been quite poor. And of course, 
where Helia talks about um, sugar access for the common people being a way to kind of bolster um, food intake. And I think that there's something to be said for the way that um, there's a tradition of consumption of sugar in that regard because they would have been a disadvantaged group that now turns into this ability to kind of have it in excess because of um, their wealth. So I thought that was an interesting like dichotomy, you know, like the, the incorporation of sugar um, for poorer groups, um, Native Americans, mm-hmm. um, what do you call it, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as Wahelia says, in the Industrial Revolution, um, in con- in juxtaposition to the way that they consume sugar now that they're wealthy and the way that the doctor has to tell Molly, like, you know, if you keep going like this, you're going to lose your foot and maybe some other things, like, you know, um, Ernest kind of rattling off all the things mm-hmm. that she eats with... Um, the sugar in it, um, mm-hmm. things like that. So it's a it's an interesting dimension to um, the displays of wealth that we see in the film. Right. So it's like she she's in a position where she can consume that much. Yeah. And then yeah. it's causing this thing, which yeah. is, you know, uh, becomes more of a problem for her group of people. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. the sugar as this um, thematic aspect of freedom and yeah. of our perceptions of sweetness, of freedom, of yeah. liberation. But it, it's also like the things that they need to do to be a part of this world with, you know, the whites mm-hmm. um, and how it, it is slowly poisoning her. Yes. You know, literally through w- what, you know, happens mm-hmm. to her when Ernest is actually giving her poison for the, what is supposed to be medication for the diabetes. Right. Um, but just f- culturally how they are losing their sense of them because they're going towards Catholicism. They're mm-hmm. they're being told to go to the white schools and and you know speak English and you know they're marrying into them and and the dilution of their uh, genetic makeup with their children. Oh yeah, you know it's yeah. This is this movie's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think there's a secondary use for the paddle room and the black masons? Or is so it, or is okay, it spe- strictly oh, for spanking oh, people. Geez. Yeah, is that strictly I mean, the spanking room. <laughs> I don't know what else you do with that paddle for. And there was clearly, there was this, the chair that was there. Was it like nailed to the floor, do you think? It's like a little um, like speaker board. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's just one chair in the middle of the room. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's a spanking there's room. A light, like, <laughs> like do- there's a nice domino tile. It's, it's built it's up just like, yeah. securely for right. private spankings, right, 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 you know, because right, right. that very, happens a lot. Very, very strange yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Very strange scene, but you know. Well, God, you know, black masons are fantastically strange people. Uh, so. What a gift to that. Uh, Scorsese gave us to have Robert De Niro spanking Leo DiCaprio. You know, that's you can't get better than that. Not sure that would have come up on the bingo um, (laughs) card. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, they better show. I, I, I thought they didn't some levity. No, no. I mean, when when they have the Oscars clip for Killers of the Flower Moon, sure, should that be should be the should, scene. Should, should, should. I, they actually haven't announced the nominations. So I guess we should talk about uh, three that. days from now. We can all argue on the internet. Three days Ooh, from now, joy, yeah. joy. Um, Give Lily Gladstone or, her or Oscar. Will this, oh no, this will be out by the time the, the nominations are out. Yeah. The nominations will be out when In three days time from now. So today is the twenty first. They're going to be out by the twenty fourth because yeah. this episode comes out. Tuesday? Are we doing this episode this week? Uh, off to you, buddy. Okay. All right. Well, yes. you, you can, you control, week, that. you can control that. Why? Why you want to do it this week? Are Toby wishes to hear her voice up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm excited. <laughs> but yeah. also, it would be nice for it to come out in time for the Oscars, no? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. It will definitely come out in time for the Oscars ceremony. Um, oh, right. It's, true. Yeah, true, true. The this is just the nomination. Right. Okay. Uh, what else you got there? 
I see Bam's got the leagues I mean, of notes. I, I, I too have notes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I typed it like some pleb. Okay, okay. Told me who did longhand Tarantino style. Uh, okay, uh, there are very few moments of levity in this movie, but certainly the best seems to be have been when Officer John Wren shows up and everybody in the audience got audibly horny. Officer John Wren is oh, the Native Tanaka. American. <laughs> The Native American. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Hot Native American cop shows up, and I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe not all cops are bust. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was uh, well, me, me, Toby, Martin, and Natasha, and there was a uh, hmm. Yeah, it up, like, yeah. It like up all of a sudden in this. Okay, hot contemplation. Yeah. Like, two, two, hours, okay. two hours and 20 minutes later. Hmm. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. I, I didn't perk up for that, but when I perked up was when I saw my boy um, fresh off the set from The Whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Yes, Occupy comes with a thunderous war- a roar. Right? Scene. It's Brendan and John Lithgow having like a yes, yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> which is I crazy. Shout louder, I shout louder. Mm. Yeah, and I love that they took advantage of the fact that we can recognize Lithgow's voice anywhere. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like when we when he talks, he's off. He's off. He's off camera. Yeah. yeah. And we're you like. His voice, yeah. I was like, Whoa. John Lithgow, what's John Lithgow doing We're like, here? wait. It's <laughs> like, you know, you know who, you, you saw you know DiCaprio's going to be in it, you right. know Robert De Niro's going to be in it, and yeah. you know Scorsese knows a lot of people, maybe right. they might be in it. Yeah, I didn't look at the full cast before, but when I saw them two in the yeah. courtroom, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is for the movie fans. I, I also want to shout out, um, gosh, I should have looked at their names. Um, they were both in No Country for Old Men, the, the, the two older gentlemen. One is the coroner. Oh, I know who you're was, talking was about, but I don't not, remember yeah, their yeah, names um, either. Lily's um, lawyer. The I don't know how I missed this. Um, when we watched it, when Anna dies and they're they're, they're at the they're at the coroner's office mm-hmm. with her, he Ernest goes and he's just like, "Don't take the jewelry this time." And he's and he's so casually, "No, no, 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 no. I do it in a way that nobody notices." Like, don't take the ju- he's Anna's body is in the other room. Oh, and, and the he, doctor is like yeah, the coroner takes off the jewelry off the body before they bury them. Yeah, so he's still he's been stealing jewelry from the Osage every time they bury them. No, no, and that's I, I, I don't know how I missed it, but he just he just casually like like said it like he's and then he gets upset when Ernest is just like no no not this time like it's my it's my sister in law and, right. and 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 he's and and he's just like, he says this thing where he's just like they didn't work hard for this money like he, in the way like I am entitled to steal from this right. free money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that they are receiving why can't it's white entitlement for sure and it's really ironic this sense of like oh they didn't work for it because white people created capitalism so like you definitely didn't work for it yeah, when you had enslavement that birthed capitalism yeah, for hundreds of years yeah. you had forced label right. that you then profited from mm-hmm. so it was like the white audacity to as mm-hmm. well come and be like oh you didn't work for this money well neither did you you didn't work for your money either yeah and then like the doctors the doctors are so funny because that scene where the feds come and confront them mm-hmm. um it's like this displacement like throughout the entire film yeah. we see like the self-appointed white authority mm-hmm. right that's bolstered by right. the law and then, and they, then a- they get asked three questions and then they're like oh, what do you mean go <laughs> ask go ask the indian like right. immediately um the de facto white authority is deflected back onto the yeah. Indians. They're like, in the wake of the criminal accusations, mm-hmm. they're like, this is Indian country. Right. Go talk to the Indians. Like, she got shot in the head, did you? And, yeah. And, and they're yeah. like, yeah. And you couldn't find the bullet? Is that where you destroyed her brain? And they're like, uh-huh. And they're like, and then why did you chop her into small pieces? Mm-hmm. Well, we were trying to find the bullet. Mm-hmm. Bullet for the headshot? Yeah. And, and then they're just like... 
Yeah, that's when they get up like, this is an Indian problem. Go to the Indian council. Oh, yeah. And they just panic immediately. Oh, and yeah. the deflection happens again, but with Hales and when he's talking about black people, right? Because when the feds come to him, his initial that response it might, is it might be ch- it might be the he, Negroes. He says, now I believe this murder business is the problem of outsiders of the community. Yeah. Perhaps Negroes. Now, right. we all know what happened in Tulsa. Uh-huh. He just breathlessly shoots the, oh, so this is black people. This. Yes. So, yeah. So, when he says you saw what happened in Tulsa, it's kind of the, um, it kind of follows when he and Ernest and I think maybe one or two of their other associates are in the theater and they're watching the Tulsa documentary mm-hmm. or like the film about Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre um, in the theater. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see um, Hills is fa- his face is so interesting in that scene because he looks disgruntled. Robin face is interesting in everything. Yeah, <laughs> but he, <laughs> in that scene, he looks disgruntled, but you're it's it's a confusing uh, ex- expression because you're not sure what he's thinking in that moment, mm-hmm. right? right yeah. You know? Um, but I want to now go into um, the Tulsa massacre a little bit. Okay. Um, because as we spoke about scene and setting earlier, um, the Osage murders, Osage County was in Oklahoma. Um, Greenwood in Tulsa was also in Oklahoma. And these were two uh, communities of people of color that had formu- formulated some sort of self-sufficiency um, and a self-sustaining commercial enterprise, right? So in 1921, you have the Tulsa Race Massacre in Oklahoma. Um, it's one of the most significant events in that town's history, uh, it was a city of about 10,000 residents and it became known as like um, this mecca for uh, black, black Hall, business. Black right, right. So you had the marquee block um, in Greenwood that became known as the Black Wall Street because it was such a condensed space of black community and black commercial enterprise where you had this 100 block street and then there were more than 70 businesses on it. And in the nature of its self-sufficiency, there were so many different um, kinds of businesses so that you really didn't really have to leave um, the community to to get certain things. Exactly. So there were four hotels, two newspapers, eight doctors, seven barbers, nine restaurants, and then multiple professional offices of dentists, lawyers. There was even a cabaret and cigar shop. Of course, we know the significance of the black church in terms of community building. And Mm -hmm. of course, they had um, a quite prominent black church that was destroyed um, in the advent of the uh, race massacre. Yeah. Every time I I get mad at the church um, as an organized religion uh, or just Christianity, Mm-hmm. I just remember, yeah, but it's also like one of the only places that black people can have a community and can get behind issues and and raise funds and yes, things. Um, I, you know, you, know, I, you I, can I, hold both thoughts at once. And no, I, I, know, I, I definitely just, do. I, I have it constantly. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, damn, I hate the church. But then also, where else I, do they I, go? Yeah, I, I almost whenever I think about um, uh, segregation and sort of slavery times. There's this common thought that always comes up. I have this burning contradiction I cannot get over. It's the fact that black people needed the church as a place to gather mm-hmm. and plan, mm-hmm. but also they worshipped a god that was the weapon that is the that was used to enslave them. In the first yeah, place. Yep. yeah. This is constant thing I always. It's it's a about. it's a contradiction, and you know it's it's the contradictory nature of um 
what it what what you do um in the wake of coloniality yeah um in order to not, build it's community not, it's, it's not our fault that that yeah. is the predicament but that is yeah the predicament that we're in yeah. so it's no coincidence um that these two events would have happened in the same setting um around the same time as each other uh what's notable about the tulsa massacre is that greenwood was developed uh like osage county uh, kind of during World War One, post World War One, you had this migration of Black people to new places. Um, it's something that we've always innately associated with freedom, the ability to move around. Um, so I have here on Tulsa and Osage um, something I noted about um, the way that white supremacy functioned in both um, scenes and settings and like events. Um, because whiteness and white supremacy were constructed concurrently and inextricably, they rely on subjugation for their continuance. This is why displays of self-sufficiency amongst people of color are such a threat to its existence. Mm. How can a self-sustaining people be subjugated? Mm. Um, and it's one of the things that happens with Osage County, right? Like you have this display of um, this immense display of self-sufficiency. Yeah. And, it's and like they're getting a little bit too broad. Right. It's this, right it's, it's this idea of white authority that comes to kind of free. curtail it but also absorb it um it's the cannibalistic nature of white supremacy the way it needs to absorb things as well as subjugate it's how the subjugation works in conjunction with things like genocide right um so i thought it was important to um kind of talk about tulsa briefly and kind of um highlight that correlation mm-hmm. um do we want to... Pa- I was going to say, do you want to pick our, our pack, pack on? on <laughs> Big cast. Yeah. Pretty Lots of characters. Pretty yeah. Stacked. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, big cast in big hats. Five minutes as she was on the screen, I, um, in the theater, I, I, I jostled over to young Toby, and I was just like, so Anna, Pyacon, right? Yeah. Anna was so feisty and, and, and badass. She, I yeah. loved her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and in, our, in our best of the year, mm-hmm. she was my number one supporting actress pick. Yeah. Ooh, um, so very she, nice. She's, okay. She, she, that's, that's her for me. Yeah. Um, if for the... To break the monotony of my choice, um, I want to... I'm gonna go with Blackie. Um, okay. Blackie. Yeah. So, fun fact, he had never acted before. Really? Ah. This is his first. They were simply auditioning uh. around town. Blackie was a firefighter. Um, I was just really the same. The character Blackie was a firefighter. Firefighter. Yeah. And he's just like, oh well, oh some Scorsese pictures up the road. Yeah. Let me try. I got one. <laughs> I got one of them. Their old timey faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, that motherfucker really crushed it. Right. <laughs> just, right. Just, just, the, just the brevity, his, his delivery of, of that line, or like, or like, like we're gonna put you on me and here, we're gonna put you in on the plan. Yeah. And like, this is the plan, and, and they're just like. No, he was he was great, and the humor that he injected in his yeah. um, character too, mm-hmm. like especially that scene where Ernest confronts him and he's like, "What are you doing? Like, you're talking to the feds? What the fuck?" Right. Yeah, and then Blackie's like, "Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you gave me two dollars. I'm, I'm going toe to toe with yeah. you. I'm supposed to give um, you twenty dollars. Yeah, and, and um, he's like, "You don't know who your uncle is, right? You don't." 
bro, read the writing on the wall. Yeah, I'm right. Talking. Everyone what are you gonna knows. What are you gonna him. do for me otherwise? You know, what's yeah. the plan? Yeah. This is the plan. Yeah. I'm in jail right yeah. Now. yeah. As a tangent, I love that. Like, um, in two movies released last year, so we have Killers, like with Blackie, who's never acted, and then the holdovers, um, Dominic Sesa yeah. had yeah, never yeah, acted, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. kind of also just happened to get the role just yeah. because they were filming at his school. So, yeah. I love that, and they're both such natural actors on yeah. screen. Like, I don't believe it. There's this whole thing going on about how Dominic says has never acted. I don't believe it. That whole nigga showed up and crushed no, the interview. I'm bro. saying I know what to tell that you. scene at the when when they're driving to the hospital and his He's hand is broken. Car, yeah. That's you've done but something mean, before. There, but we know actors like that. I don't believe it. But th- we know I actors like that who've sure, never acted before and sure came and gave us stunning performance in regular performances. All right, I believe it. I believe it. Propaganda. No, um, I think I think I think some no, people are just it. naturally. I'm sure, I'm sure he's just naturally that talented. I do believe it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. How old is he? Like twenty-one. Yeah, he's twenty-one. Yeah. Um. All right. I'll 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 go with um. Because there's lots of people. I could I could say Brendan Fraser just Obviously. for his delivery of the boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to actually go with uh, Miss Lizzie Q. Okay. Um, mm. the, the, the mom. Did the like her quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, because she... That scene of her walking it's with her scene. ancestors. Bro. Yeah, it's that scene in particular down. that yeah. just kind of like... Broke me down. Trust me. It's that moment of... I, I think for, for, for me, she represented like the end of something not just the end of her life yeah but the end of something specific, changing permanently of the, of yeah the culture yeah. of the mm-hmm. world of that life and mm-hmm. and and you know she being so like skeptical of these white men and mm. as one should be you know mm. and, and her favor towards anna was a result of because anna had that same rebellious break, fire that break, refusal yeah. to, yeah. to break into this new system and yeah, it really was the beauty of that scene where she does usher into the the ethereal plane, and and yeah, I just thought um, that was something that I I don't think I'd seen in any other movie last yeah. year. That and how it's perfectly death. quiet. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that, uh, again, with the quiet yeah. stillness. It's a silence that goes core parts you. of Osage culture. A, a, a previous guest who will remain unnamed. Um, Admitted me that they did not like Killers of the Floor Moon that much, mm. and they said it was because um, they thought the uh, understandably the starkness of the violence mm-hmm. was too overpowering, mm-hmm. and but there was those scenes of like her transitioning into mm-hmm. heaven, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, Marty coming in in the end mm-hmm. and literally breaking the floor. I think they it wanted goes, more. It goes back to that. our point. So it, the it, issue they wanted more of that. Yeah. Because I, I get what Scorsese was trying to do, right? Yeah. This 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 movie is about Osage people, but it's also about white violence yeah. Yeah. against yeah, yeah, Osage yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he wanted to put that at the forefront mm-hmm. instead of having it be... Um, I, I, I think he wanted to kind of platform that a little bit, almost. Yeah. Like, like like this is this is what happened, you know? The, 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 the point is, there should be just... There should have been like... Six movies are just exactly, about the about exactly. Osage I think in that's, their wealth. I think that's really the point. Prior to. Yeah. Right. There yeah. should be other movies um, kind of focused on their history. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your pack? I have no idea. You it, have all of... No. You no, got all like, them notes. Toby, what is the name of this show? <laughs> 
is the movie man. At the top of her notes, what do we do on the movie man? Killers of the Flower Moon episode. She knows that these notes are for the episode, but the one thing she don't show up with is movie man. It's hard for me to choose, but I would choose Jesse Plemons. Like he's a person I know. I'm so glad somebody did it. Big hat himself. There you go. I'm so sorry. Like his 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 performance is what I know the most because I tell you what, you come out of the movie becoming the meme, you deserve to be the pioneer. Exactly, exactly. Because he's like I I have here because as I was watching, like his performance stood out so much, especially coming in uh, at at the climax of everything. Jesse Plemons with a terrific performance. Quietly resolute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. then and then him showing up so late in the movie took me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go on about his performance. No, I loved it. And I mm. mean, that scene with him and Ernest at the door, um, the way that Jesse comes with like this, th- it's like this quiet ushering in yeah. of justice, you know? Mm. It doesn't come with like this loud, thunderous, like chariot or whatever. Yeah. It's just a man at a door. Yeah. Come to ask some questions. There's a, there's a two hours of just like, tragedy that we're all in the slow dread of what these people are being subjected to Mm -hmm. and then you do kind of perk up where you're like oh thank god somebody's coming here to like dismantle this 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 story a little bit yeah a little bit of a happier yeah yeah Yeah. um no but even that scene in particular with Ernest at the door Mm -hmm. um that was such a a touch point in the trailer and has become such a meme but like it is Jesse Plemons dressed to the nines in his suit and his hat mm-hmm. and what is Ernest in he's in his underwear yeah, yeah. and like there's a, a screen door between them mm-hmm. and there's that barrier where Ernest is trying to be as uninviting as he possibly yes. can oh he's yeah he's barely even getting out yeah. words properly mm-hmm. and Plemons is just standing there staunch like I you know I have yeah. a direct question to yeah. ask you right. I mm-hmm. need this information right. whatever bullshit you're yeah. going on with tell me the next day I'll come the next day and Friday, yeah sure. it's Ernest it's 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 a reinforcement of Ernest as a scapegoat. Yeah. You know, um, Hill obviously tries to displace a lot of the criminality onto Ernest. Yeah. But also Ernest uses his wife and his wife's illness as a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a, a way of right transferring now. almost her suffering to him mm-hmm. as the doting husband, the, the husband that's also suffering because of his wife's suffering. Um, and it's part of the effort to obscure and efface his like complicit criminality in this conspiracy. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say, oh, um, the oh, fuck, I, I lost it, then I had it again, now I lost it again. Uh, wow. get it back, I believe in you. Let's stare at Damien intently. Oh, no, don't do that, it's gonna make it worse. Make him real, um, really panic for this. I, I for this can't thought. open my eyes because I'm sure they're looking at me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it had to do. Oh, okay, so when they're both in prison, right? William Hale and, and Ernest Burkhart, mm-hmm. um. And Ernest's daughter dies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's like a breaking point for him where he's yeah. like, you know, I'm, th- this has gone too far. And then yeah. He starts it feels like the catalyst for him to come clean. Because yeah. up to that point, he is still trusting in his, his uncle's plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a point where they have a confrontation prior to the daughter's death. And it is very clear that, w- I mean, William Hill is not, mincing his words he is describing his nephew as expendable mm-hmm. and then to follow that up with sign this paper like let's just forget yeah this, like just do sign, what sign, i tell sign, you sign boy these head rights, right? yeah and then when the when Ernest's daughter dies and then william hill is like hosting a sermon from the prison cell yeah, yeah. and praying over her and i was just like you motherfucker 
You would learn his comfort, Anna. You have no soul in you. Like, this is just a show. This is just presentation. Mm-hmm. Although I think there was a level of self-delusion, <laughs> he is thinking that this is what he's supposed to do because, you know, his granddaughter, his, his um, grandniece has died and everything. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about a movie that involves subjugation, genocide, murder. Um, it's part of a larger framework, of course, of global white supremacy that's been happening for quite some time. Um, in light of what we've been talking about in the podcast, I wanted to uh, mention that it's free Palestine um, always and forever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's free every single marginalized and oppressed group in mm-hmm. the entire world forever. Um, I wanted to read this poem by Nora Hindi quickly because Damien would like us to wrap up. But it's something that came to mind as I was re-watching this movie and thinking about um, violence uh, and violence against specific groups. And it's called Fuck Your Electron Craft, My People Are Dying by Nora Hindi, who is a Palestinian journalist. Colonizers write about flowers. I tell you about children throwing rocks at Israeli tanks seconds before becoming daisies. I want to be like those poets who care about the moon. Palestinians don't see the moon from jail cells and prisons. It's so beautiful, the moon. They're so beautiful, the flowers. I pick flowers for my dead father when I'm sad. He watches Al Jazeera all day. I wish Jessica would stop texting me happy Ramadan. I know I'm American because when I walk into a room, something dies. Metaphors about death are for poets who think ghosts care about sound. When I die, I promise to haunt you forever. One day, I'll write about the flowers like we own them.